Well, this morning, you know, stemming off of how we have been discussing John chapter 16 and John chapter 17 and Jesus saying to the disciples, you know, time is coming where you'll be persecuted because I'm persecuted. You'll be hated because I'm hated. And you, you will be slaughtered like the prophets. And he's saying that he will be slaughtered. He will be killed. And he's saying that he will actually now go away. But don't worry. I will send you comfort, the Holy Spirit. And so as we came to that portion of scriptures where Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will come to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. The very reason why when you have a panel of, let's say, Muslims and all the different religions, but you have a Christian and the Christian claims Jesus is the only way, it will cause a lot more strife than somebody else claiming that their God is the only way. And the reason for it is because when you claim Jesus, when you, pre when you preach the gospel, immediately the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and convicts the world of sin. And what is their sin? Their sin is rejecting Christ. That is their sin. Because if they didn't reject Christ, all other sins would be forgiven. But their sin of rejecting Christ is the one that sends them to hell eternally. And the Holy Spirit is the one that actually convicts them of this. Sin, righteousness, the fact that He is righteous and us in comparison to His righteousness falls short. And judgment, the fact that Satan has already been sent and sentenced to eternal damnation. And those who are outside of Christ will be sentenced with Him to eternal damnation. So when you preach the gospel... The Holy Spirit comes alongside you. He's the paraclete, paraclete. He comes and He assists. He ministers with you. And that is why you see the violent response with the gospel. You see, right now in Europe, it was about a month ago, in Europe there was a politician who actually posted a scripture on Facebook and almost received jail time posting a scripture. Yeah. But those same nations, those same nations are the ones who will stand up for the freedom of Islam because the Holy Spirit does not do for Islam what the Holy Spirit does for Christianity. So the work of the Holy Spirit is very important. As a matter of fact, I want us to actually put a stake in the ground only because where we come from. Let me see by a show of hands. How many of you, how many of you come from a word faith background? How many of you were a Pentecostal at least one time in your life? Yeah. <laughs> how many of you were part of the charismatic movement at some point? All right? Yeah. So the reason I would like to put a stake in the ground as to the work of the Holy Spirit is because of where we come from. And it's important for us to have clarity in regards to this. I'm so distracted, I'm sorry. But I will get past it. All right, the work of the Holy Spirit. If we had to look through most hymns and worship songs that have been written, we will find that there are far more songs that speak of God the Father and Jesus 
uh, versus the Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed that? When there's a worship song, it's about God the Father. Not that it's wrong. It's good. Jesus. But it falls short when it comes to the Holy Spirit. In about the last 50 years or so, we've seen crazy church services. I don't know if you've seen these. We've seen crazy camp meetings. We've seen revivals take place all over the place. Seen these big tent revivals. All based on a plethora of aberrant teachings of the Holy Spirit. Yet... We tend to be far more tolerant of misrepresentations of the Holy Spirit than what we are when, God, when we see a misrepresentation of God the Father or of Jesus. Have you ever noticed that? Somebody says something really aberrant about God the Father or about Jesus, everybody comes, will say, wait a minute, that's strange. But when things happen in the name of the Holy Spirit, almost everything is tolerated. A misrepresentation of His work is tolerated, and I believe that it's for a couple of reasons. The first reason is because we actually don't know what the Bible says about the work of the Holy Spirit. We're very vague about what, the, what Jesus meant when He said He will send the Comforter. Comfort in what way? Comforting who and comforting them how is the question. When He sent us a helper, helper in what way? And helping whom? To accomplish what? Goosebumps? <laughs> A whole crowd of people weeping? What, what is he to accomplish? What is he to help us in? How many of you are interested in knowing the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit and how he has come to help us? Yeah? I want to read you a scripture that... that has always sat with me in a very strange way because I never totally could define the distinctions of what was meant by what has been said here. Um, it was Paul. He wrote to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 and 3. He says, Oh foolish Galatians! Exclamation. So he is really at the end of himself. He's at the end of his rope with them. He's so frustrated with them. He says, You foolish! Can you imagine? Guest speaker walks in here. The Apostle Paul, he says, Oh, church of Schaumburg, you fools. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, now let's receive an offering and see how well that goes. <laughs> so he says, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You have been bewitched. Now, when we say bewitched, we think of a cute little movie, right? Because our day and age... What we've done is we've taken evil and we have made, we've normalized it by making it cute, by making it tolerable and entertaining, fun. But he didn't mean that when he said, who has bewitched you? You were under a spell. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. All right? He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? How did you receive the Holy Spirit? By doing stuff or by faith? Are you so foolish? And then he says this statement, which has really confused me. He says, having begun by the Spirit, having begun by the Spirit... You are now being perfected by the flesh. Is that so? Question mark. He says, did you begin in the Spirit? And now what the Spirit began, 
you are trying to finish. So my question I've always wondered is like, well, well, what does he mean? What all did he mean by what the Spirit began? What all did he mean? The Spirit began this. Now you're trying to finish it. And I think it's very important for us to not fall into what the Galatians fall into, fell into. Like attempting to complete what the Spirit began. So we have to ask, what did the Spirit begin? And I hope today that we're going to be answering that question in full. You see, the Holy Spirit is, much, is as much God as the Father is God and as the Son is God. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is no less than God in any way. He is fully God. And He's with you today. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. Now the Holy Spirit is God with us. God in us. God for us. God alongside us, the paraclete. Ministering with us as you minister, the Holy Ghost is ministering. You see, the Holy Spirit was involved with the creation. Genesis 1 verse 1 and 2, it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit was at the creation. He, in fact, created as God spoke it. We also see that the Holy Spirit came upon the prophets of old as they prophesied the very Word of God. It was the Holy Spirit causing them to speak on God's behalf. We also see that the Holy Spirit was responsible for Mary being with child. Luke 1 verse 35 says, And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Mary, and you'll be with child. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we also see, empowered Jesus to minister as Jesus ministered. Everything He did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he was led into, he, he went into the desert to be tempted, and he came out in the power of the Holy Ghost. Luke 4, 18 says of Jesus, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The Holy Spirit is upon me, Jesus said. Because the Holy Spirit has anointed me. For what? To proclaim the good news to the poor. The Holy Spirit has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It was the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to be the powerful agent of God in this world. We also see that it was the Holy Spirit who breathed into all scriptures, and every author of scriptures wrote under the inspiration of the very Holy Spirit himself. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We also see that it was the Holy Spirit that birthed the church in the book of Acts as they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in tongues. Today, however, I would like us to look at the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have to clarify the work of the Holy Spirit. First we see that the Holy Spirit convicts the unbeliever, and this is what we've been talking about. 
the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, convicting the unbeliever, not the believer, and brings the unbeliever to repentance in order to believe. We see that in John 16, verse 8 through 11, it says, And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in Me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see Me no, no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged already. So we see that the Holy Spirit, the first work of the Holy Spirit, and I'm most interested in what the Holy Spirit has begun. Because remember, Paul said to the Galatians, you foolish Galatians, is what the Holy Spirit begun, now your job to finish in the flesh? Is that how this works? What has the Holy Spirit begun? Well, we see first and foremost, He came to convict the world of sin. Secondly, the Holy Spirit awakens and stirs up faith in the unbeliever to the gospel. The Holy Spirit stirs up the unbeliever towards the gospel in order to have faith in that gospel. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. When you present the gospel, you are to present the gospel, make it available, not palatable, make it available so that the Holy Spirit can cause a person to come alive unto that gospel. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to do that, not mine. And what the church has done is the church has fallen into what's called pragmatism. We no longer build churches based on the fact that it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that convicts a sinner that might sit in the seat and run to the cross. Instead of that, what we do is marketing and we do lighting and everything else that makes things wonderful music and entertainment and so forth that makes this community so exciting. And instead of relying upon the Holy Spirit, we've relied on pragmatism. And I'm not saying we as Christ nation, but the church at large. And so God builds His church without us being pragmatic. God builds His church by the Holy Spirit, the work that the Holy Spirit has begun. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do a work, there is no church, right? There's just some kind of organization that gathers people who want friends, right? That Sunday club. And so we see that the Holy Spirit awakens the believer unto the gospel to have faith in the gospel. 1 Peter 1 verse 12 says that. It says, But you, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you, how? By the Holy Spirit. Preach the gospel by the Holy Spirit sent, sent from heaven. So this means that when the gospel was preached, the Holy Spirit used the message to penetrate the hearts of those listening. That's why we are one 100% reliant upon the Holy Ghost to take the word that's been spoken and to make it come alive unto the individual. This is the one thing. Now, let me just say this. I am, I love biblical apologists. I love listening to biblical apologists. My favorite biblical apologist, Dr. James White. Um, Greg Kokel, I introduced him to the Bible school this week. Fantastic biblical apologist. He argues for the things of God. But very often, it's a mental ascent in order to win a debate. Usually they participate in debates. But you've never seen anybody lose a debate 
after losing a debate, fall on their knees and say, I was wrong, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> because arguing a point and convincing somebody of a truth is not the same as being convicted by the Holy Spirit over that truth. Because many people will agree to a historical Jesus, but they are not convicted by the gospel of the Jesus they believe lived in history. So we need the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in evangelism. Otherwise, there is zero evangelism. None. So that's one thing. We can pray for our kids, right? Pray, God, have mercy upon our child. Bring conviction to my child's heart until you've brought him to the cross. Because only the Holy Spirit can bring somebody to the cross. So we see that the Holy, Holy Spirit convicts unbelievers of sin and brings them to repentance. The Holy Spirit awakens a person to the gospel that they hear and causes them to have faith in that gospel because they couldn't believe in what they cannot see. Number three, we see that the Holy Spirit regenerates that very same unbeliever. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that births that believer anew now that they've heard the gospel. Titus 3 verse 4 and 7 says, But when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God and our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. Here it is. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So, we see that regeneration is taking place by the Holy Spirit. We have another verse in John 3, 6. It says, to which is born of the flesh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So we see that the Holy Spirit regenerates the unbeliever. It takes an unbeliever and births that unbeliever anew into a new creature, a regenerate Christian. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. If you are praying for somebody to be born again, you are praying God that they'll be born by the Spirit, that they'll be regenerated by the Spirit. But you can pray first that the Holy Spirit will convict them of their sin, the sin of rejecting Christ, that the Holy Spirit will reveal the gospel to them so they can have faith in the very gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. And we pray that the Holy Spirit now will birth them because of that. Can you see the progress of the salvation story here? The unfolding of salvation? It's one degree too cold. Sorry. Tina, not that side, this side. Thank you. Thank you, hon. This is the work of giving life to the unbeliever. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Number four, we see that the Holy Spirit immediately takes up residence in the heart of the new believer. The Holy Spirit immediately fills the new believer. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, 
whom you have from God and that you are not your own. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, However, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So we see that the moment somebody has been birthed anew by the very Holy Spirit that initially convicted them unto faith in the gospel, the moment He births them anew, He fills them. He resides in them. Let me, let me change my terminology. He resides in them. He takes residence in that person. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For we are all baptized, how? By one Spirit. Then number five, we see the Holy Spirit secures us for eternity. Ephesians 1, 13, the second part of the verse says, When you believed, you were marked in Him, in Christ, with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So this is a fantastic work of the Holy Spirit, starting off with the conviction of sin, drawing a person to repentance, but remember, repentance is not a work, it's actually a gift. It's called the gift of repentance in the Scriptures. And the Bible does say, you'll see later, that it's the Holy Spirit that gives men gifts. So it's an amazing thing. And so the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. The Holy Spirit pulls them to repentance when they gift it with that repentance. As they understand the gospel, and as they do, that very moment, the Holy Spirit births them anew, and they become a brand new creature in Christ. They become a brand new creation. Let me just quickly draw a parallel for you. You realize that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the earth. The Holy Spirit was involved with the creation. God spoke, the Holy Spirit accomplished. Here we come to the second creation, a new creation. Again, the Holy Spirit is the one that does that work once again. He performs a brand new creation in you. You are that new creation. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And the moment He births you anew and He creates you brand new, you're a new creature, now suddenly, immediately, that same moment, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart as a new believer. And then number five, we see that the Holy Spirit secures us for eternity. He takes residence and He secures you for eternity by what? By sealing your heart the day of redemption. He seals your heart. And then number six, we see that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, sets us apart from sin. He doesn't stop when He seals you. His work isn't finished. And by the way, all of what I'm mentioning the Holy Spirit's doing, He does it in, one, in the same moment. You say, which one came first? Sanctification or conviction? Well, conviction came first. Well, then they didn't happen the same moment. Yes, they did. It's almost like if you have a ball hanging here and you take another ball and you throw that ball against this ball. They both move at the same time, but it was the one that sets the other one off, right? <laughs> and so, yes, conviction did happen first. Repentance 
drawing them to repentance did happen second, revealing them to the gospel, or revealing the gospel to them so they can have faith in it after they received that gift of faith. It all it happened because of conviction, because they heard the gospel, they could have faith in it, but because they did that, they were birthed new as a new creature, and because they were birthed as a new creature, they were, they, the Holy Ghost did take up residence within their hearts, within their lives, and immediately sealed them for the day of redemption. And that very same moment, sanctification starts taking place. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us and sets us apart from what? Sin. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because God chose you as, he, as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. You were chosen for this, to be sanctified by the very Spirit that birthed you after the Spirit convicted you. All at the same time. Are you learning something about the work of the Holy Spirit? Number seven, the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to every believer. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 7, it says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Who distributes them? The Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There's so many gifts that the Holy Spirit immediately gives the person who gets born again. That's why I'm for one. I believe that the moment somebody becomes born again, they need to immediately get involved with what God is doing. Why would the Holy Spirit gift you at that time of your new birth? Why would the Holy Spirit gift you at that time of your new birth for you to do nothing with the gift He gifted you with? On a side note, we will be held accountable because to whom much is given, much is required. Right? <laughs> so, but that's for another day. So these, this manifestation of the Spirit in the gifting that the Spirit gifts us with, this is to say that the Holy Spirit distributes to us ministry capabilities. Ministry capabilities. These are supernatural ministry capabilities which are called the gifts of the Spirit. All of these points we just covered intersects at the moment of our salvation, the moment of our conversion. This is when all these seven things I just listed happen. It's an amazing thing. And every single one of them by the Holy Spirit of God. From conviction to repentance then from repentance to faith in the gospel, from faith in the gospel to regeneration, the new birth, from the new birth to the indwelling Holy Spirit, from the indwelling Holy Spirit to the sealing of the heart, securing that saint for eternal life, from the sealing of that saint for eternity to sanctifying their hearts away from sin, separate them from sin, from sanctifying our hearts from sin to gifting us with supernatural ministry capabilities unto fruitfulness. Now think about that. From being an unbeliever to conviction 
to repentance in the gospel, uh, to repentance and faith in the gospel, all the way to gifted with ministry capabilities. Now, listen to this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Excuse me. <laughs> that one too. Let me jump to this one. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. That faith is not yours, but God gifted you with that faith. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, lest any man should boast. For ye are God's workmanship, created in Christ, new creatures, created in Christ Jesus, for good works. Saved by grace without works, gifted by the Spirit for the purpose of works. Saved without works for the purpose of fruitfulness. So we see as we walk through the work of the Holy Spirit, we see how the Holy Spirit saves you and brings you all, all the way to the place where you now have gifts to become fruitful with. Now, I'm showing you this because this is how we began in the Spirit. Remember, he said, you foolish, you foolish Schomburgers. <laughs> you, did the Holy Spirit start something only for you to finish it in the flesh? No. What the Holy Spirit started and the power, the power he exerted to start stuff in you Conviction, repentance, the gospel, all of the way, all the way to being gifted. All of that, he is going to bring to completion. He is going to bring you all the way to the other side. Now, this is important because it is a powerful spiritual work to become a child of God, and we need to understand that. Without the gospel, there, we are not a church. Excuse me. Without the Holy Spirit, there is not one born-again person here. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter how much you try and convince somebody with biblical apologetics, that person's not saved. There is no salvation without the work of the Holy Spirit. It is a mighty, pervasive, lasting, miraculous, and eternal work of the Holy Spirit when somebody comes to Christ. That is the biggest miracle. Way beyond, way beyond somebody being healed from cancer. If you look at how the entire Trinity was, in, was involved in our salvation, you will see that the, it is the Father who elects Ephesians 1, 4 and 11. It is the Father who draws, John 6, 44. It is the Son who pays the price to purchase the redeemed, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. It is the Holy Spirit then who applies the work of the Father and the Son to an individual. And so our God is one. 
and together they accomplish in you what has been accomplished. The Holy Spirit would not have done in you. He would not have brought you to repentance. He would not have brought you to the place of faith in the gospel. He would not have brought you to the place of regeneration and the new birth and the new creature and he would not have indwelled you and resided in you and he would not have sealed your heart and he would not have sanctified you and he would not have gifted you if the son didn't pay for you because the son would not have paid for you if the father didn't give you to him So here we see Paul tearing into the foolish Galatians. Again, our foolish Galatians, Galatians 3 verse 1 and 3, who has bewitched you. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? You are so foolish. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? The Judaizers were the ones uh, um, responsible for this because what they said was, and Peter agreed with them at the time, that, all right, so this salvation in Christ is for the Jews. This salvation for Christ, uh, in Christ is for the Jews. Now, if you are a Gentile and you want to be part of Christianity, you have to come via Judaism. So get circumcised, come in here, and you can be a Christian too. That is adding something to the gospel. That is taking something away from the gospel. Therefore, it's actually qualified not as an error, but as heresy. That's how you know something is no longer an error. That's how you know it's a heresy, is when it adds something to the gospel or takes something away from the actual gospel. All right? <clears throat> so what then is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit? What is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit? Having begun in the Spirit, how are we perfected in the Spirit? Now we looked at the, what, the, what the Holy Spirit began in you. From conviction to being gifted is what He began in you. Now we have to ask the question, how are we being perfected in this very same Spirit of God? That is the question of the day. Romans 8, 14, 16 helps us understand that the Holy Spirit continues to bring us close to God. Today, now that you are saved, the Holy Spirit is continually at work within you. Doing what? Bringing you closer to God on a daily basis. Let's read Romans 8, 14 and 16. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Yeah, so <laughs> Gertha and I actually had some good conversation about this this past week because we covered this in the Bible school too. So Gertha, thanks for making my mind run this direction. But those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
Then listen to what it says. It says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Can everybody please say fear? Hey, do you know, what's the greatest prohibition in scriptures? In other words, what's the number one thing you may not do? Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not murder. Do not steal. What's the greatest thing you may not do? Do not fear. <laughs> it's almost like a greeting, right? It's like every time an angel arrives, says, do not fear. <laughs> Hello, everybody. And uh, God appears, do not fear. Or when they go, do not, now, do not fear. Go your way. Uh, this is the greatest prohibition in the Bible. And here it says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, the Holy Spirit brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, we cry, by this Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, Dad. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are, in fact, God's, spirit, God's children. Now, many people uh, you read that two ways. It's the Holy Spirit that tells my spirit, I am a child of God. That's the one way. But I think a superior way of actually looking at that, better way of looking at it, is that the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. My spirit cries out, Father, and the Holy Spirit cries out with Him, He's your Son. He's your Son, God. Father, your child, God. Are you with me? My spirit cries out, Father, and the Holy Spirit cries out at the same time, affirmed. Father, affirmed. Read it again and you'll see. It says, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit. We are children of God. Abba, Father, truth. Father God, testifying to the truth. This is it. This is so. Because of the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, we are moved to an intimacy with God where we cry, Abba, Father. Our hearts cry to Him as a child's heart confidently is bent towards His Father. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit, we are moved to an intimacy with God where we, are no, where we have no fear coming to Him, running to Him, crying out for Him, or actually telling Him about where we've been. We see the same work of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 4, verse 6. Second verse, it says, Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So we are talking about what is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? What is the ongoing work of the Holy Ghost in our lives? So we see that the Holy Spirit continues to bring us closer to God. The next one is, number nine, the Holy Spirit uncovers, reveals, and illuminates truth in Scriptures. This is our last point, so I really want you to listen because I think that really just clarifies why when you walk into the next big Holy Ghost revival where almost anything goes, as long as you can tag it with, the Lord just told me. <laughs> 
Or somebody can run around like a chicken without a head because somehow, apparently, they got touched. Or everybody's falling backwards instead of forwards like you see in the Bible because they got touched by the Holy Spirit, right? Because everywhere in the Bible, you see people falling forward, not backwards. <laughs> when the Holy Ghost is in the room. But my point is just, next time you see a Holy Ghost meeting, you have to ask yourself this question about the Holy Spirit and what is His ongoing work. What is His ongoing work look like? You see, it is interesting to see how many denominations, Christian celebrities, and even TV evangelists have used the Bible to affirm their own blasphemies and their heresies and the aberrations of Christianity. But they use the Bible. I mean, it's all over the place. For instance, think about a few Bible cults, all right? Think about Mormonism. Think about the Christian scientist reading room. Have you ever been in one? Don't go. Think about, <laughs> think about the Jehovah Witnesses. Think about liberation theology churches today. They teach right out of the Bible. Think about all of these. Like, for instance, Tina and I last night, we were <laughs> looking at a video of the snake handlers in, um, in, a, in, church of, in the Church of Jesus in Jolo, West Virginia. And um, Basuli and I actually, we, we did see that. That's a guy that got bit, right? So his dad, the snake handler, the original founder of this church, he got bit during a service, and he died seven seconds after getting bit. So his, his son immediately stepped up to the plate and took over the church. And then he got bit <laughs> on this video. <laughs> and it was like, was it Basui? Like 10 seconds later, he was like, he, he, he was like blacked out, puking all over the place. They rushed him. They actually picked him up in a helicopter and flew him out. And he survived. And he's back to the same thing. But do you know, <laughs> he's like, it's like, it's a testimony. He says, how else are unbelievers going to know that God is real? Because the Bible says they will pick up snakes, right? And so these guys, that's what they do. You YouTube it, you'll see it. It's, it's, um, we, were, we were laughing until we got scared. <laughs> but the thing, the thing that's weird about this is that these guys all teaching out of the Bible. All these guys I just mentioned, they all teach out of the Bible. Liberation theologians, they teach out of the Bible. Jesus came to free you from your oppressive government and your oppressive, these oppressive people. Really? If, if Jesus came for that, apparently, if that's how he saves, apparently none of the disciples actually got saved, if you think about it, did they? No. They, they, they remained oppressed until they were all actually martyred, murdered. And if Jesus came to free you from political oppressors, then it didn't work for the disciples. But these guys, you know, they teach right out of the Bible. Almost all major denominations now have a branch of their denomination that is now flying the flag, aren't they? I mean, you can go to, there's a, um, you know, ooh, I almost say the church's name down the street here. They're flying the flag. I mean, yeah, I listen to them every Sunday. I go to this, this lady pastor's message and I listen to her 
just whine and whine and whine about how oppressed the people are who can't choose their gender. And um, right here in Schaumburg, teaching right out of the Bible, Lutheran churches. Did you see uh, that Lutheran church downtown that has now um, an, an ordained um, transgender pastor who uh, cross-dresses only when he preaches to the kids? Uh, storybooks and living. Yeah, absolutely. So my point is just, guess where these people teach out of? The Bible. Luther would climb right back into his grave. <laughs> He's like, I'm out. <laughs> Not interested. The latest we have now, we have a slew of pro-abortion churches teaching where? Right out of what? The Bible. Now, the amount of Bible cults that exist, and I'm just going to mention these to you, but the amount of Bible cults that exist is staggering. Staggering. But if you are led by the Spirit, the Bible says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are led to discover God's truth in scriptures and not humanism or in spiritualism or in universalism or in Marxism or in any other ism. But the truth of God in scriptures is for those who are led by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. I'm looking for that verse. I don't have it in you. Um, that He will lead us into all truth. Thank you. So if you are led by the Spirit, you will find Him uncover, reveal, and illuminate God's truth in Scriptures. We're talking about what is the ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit. What is the ongoing ministry now? What the Spirit started, John 16, John 16, 13. Could you throw that up on the screen for me, please? John 16, 13. Thank you. The ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit, after what He has started in us, He is going to perfect and complete in us, is not running around a building or entire groups of people shaking and crying or, or having all of these experiences or gold dropping out of heaven or all of these things. The ongoing work of the Holy Spirit starts here. Now, we already discovered what the actual, what He has started in us. Now, He's continuing by number one, he brings us closer to God. And we see number two, and this is not comprehensive, but these are the first two things that he currently does. Number two, he covers or uncovers, he reveals, and he illuminates truth in scriptures. Let's see that verse. Uh, what's that verse again, Tina? John 16, 13. Oh. Let me just, let me just get. Thanks, Tina Bell. It says in the NIV, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you, guide you <laughs> into all truth. <clears throat> That's why you're not a snake handler today. <laughs> and I believe that the Bible was written in such a way that those who aren't really looking for the Lord, 
Those who aren't looking to know God, but to have stuff. Those who are looking to, to gain. Those who are, if you come in a spirit of covetousness, if you come in a spirit of narcissism, where it's all about you because you know you have, you have eisegesis, exegesis, but you also have narcissus, which is where you insert yourself into every single hero of every story in the Bible. I am David. I am Joseph. I, I am Moses. <laughs> uh, sorry, that was funny. <laughs> but uh, people write books on that, how you are like David. No, you're not. <laughs> you know why David actually chopped off Goliath's head? Because he was a picture of Jesus. And who's Jesus? What God told Eve in the beginning of the garden. He said, There will be enmity between your seed and her seed. Right? Enmity between your seed, Satan, and Eve's seed. And you, you will bruise his heel, but he will do what? He'll crush your head. And so here comes David. Jesus is the greater David. David is a type of Jesus. And he takes Goliath all by himself on behalf of the shivering Israelites who's quivering back there because they're so scared of this giant. David goes and he takes his head right off. And that's why David had to do that. I'm not David. David is a type of Christ. So I want to close with this. We see that when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into the truth that you see in front of you and not be deceived by every other voice. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 and 10 it says, But it is written, watch this, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Watch this. These things God has revealed to us, how? Through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So family, today what I wanted to do is, I wanted to list you these nine things. The first seven that I listed was what the Holy Spirit does when He begins a work in you. And then we started talking about the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. He brings you closer to God. And it reveals truth to you. And I want to encourage you to actually look for these things happening in your life. Look for these things. That's the Holy Spirit at work in you. Next time you look into the Word of God and you go like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit at work within you. Next time you go like, oh, I can't, I just want to pray. What is that? That is your heart calling out to God, Abba, Father. I want to be with my Father. That's the Holy Spirit at work within you. When you say, you know, I, I, I need to get more, I need to have a more intimate, intimate relationship and time with God. If that's you, where did that come from? It's the Holy Spirit at work within you. So the Holy Spirit uncovers, the Holy Spirit reveals, and the Holy Spirit illuminates truth in Scripture, the very Scriptures 
which is the truth given to us, objective truth given to us. Amen? Amen. Did you get something out of the word today?